does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. Michael Grady going to join us here in a few to round things out. You know, a name that I feel like a couple Pacers fans have thrown out there, and I don't know, maybe it's more of kind of just an NBA name, but the future of Carl Anthony Towns is an interesting one. I, I don't necessarily know the fit here in Indy with Miles Turner and, and all of that, but in the Timberwolves, when you look back at their season, some ups, some downs, a team that I don't know a lot of people wanted to play. Anthony Edwards is probably their future. The Rudy Gobert trade, like, yeah, well, I, I don't know. I'm kind of very much up in the air on the future of the T-Wolves. Well, the, you know, D'Angelo Russell played well for them. Um, and I do agree, Anthony Edwards is a dynamic talent. But I'm curious, you know, the, the first question I'll, I'll ask because we have him now on the Payless Liggers hotline, Michael Grady, who's the voice of the Minnesota Timberwolves. The first question, Michael, that I would have for you is this. You know, here in, as you know, with the Colts, Jonathan Taylor's an unbelievable player. I don't think anybody denies or doubts that. The question is, does having an unbelievable running back equate to winning in the NFL in 2023? And I think the same question can be asked for in the NBA in 2023, does having not one but two bigs that are kind of your your key play. I mean, a- Edwards is the face of that franchise moving forward, I think. But did the Timberwolves miss the mark a little bit on going too big and trying to go that route? That that remains to be seen. Carl uh, Anthony Towns missed 52 games uh, last season due to a calf injury. And um, by the time things didn't look great before he was hurt, um, it takes a lot to get – two guys like that on the same page. And even if you just bring in Gobert, he's so unique as a player in that he doesn't have a, you know, offensive skill set to where he can just pass the ball in the post. He uses a series of low post moves and gets a good look. He's unique in terms of how you need to set him up to make him effective on the offensive side of the ball. So for everybody else, that's an adjustment. And then playing with Towns and Towns, playing a little bit more on the perimeter, playing off the Gobert, you knew that would take some time. And then he goes down with a calf injury. He comes back with just a handful of games left. And so, no, the sample size and what we saw in that sample size didn't look great, but that remains to be seen. And I, I, I think that that same kind of discussion can go. I think, it's, it's, it, from my opinion, it's too early to say on Jonathan Taylor. I think in the grand scheme of things, if you're talking about a guy that's break in the bank, or we always talk about this in the draft, do you use a high draft pick on a running back? I never think that's the case. Um, I think if you if you stock up and you take care of the offensive line and you can find a serviceable running back, you can get the job done. What you need is an elite quarterback to win in the NFL, and you can go back to past Super Bowl champions to back up that statement. So uh, on the basketball front with the Wolves, again, it remains to be seen. I don't know if this experiment is going to go into next season. We'll see what happens in terms of if the Timberwolves make any moves with one or both of the big men. Um, but, but it'll be something that'll be really fascinating to see. You certainly recognize the voice. Michael Grady with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. MG, always good to uh, chat with you. I, I would guess we'll kind of go down a different path. What's uh, what's new on your front? Obviously the T-Wolf stuff. I saw you're doing Sun uh, and Liberty over the weekend. What What's on the agenda here as we get into the NBA offseason? 
for you? Oh man, just just uh, just just R and R. Yeah, did the uh, did the Liberty game for CBS. I'll do another one for CBS on um, on Father's Day. I'll do the Commissioner's Cup. Uh, NBA draft is coming up from Brooklyn. Um, I'll do that, and then um, and then summer league, and then uh, outside of that, just just traveling and getting away. This is outside of the things that I choose to do. Um, this is the first summer where I'm kind of at at liberty. Um, so last last year I not New York Liberty, but free. Um, so. <laughs> Uh, uh, so yeah, so uh, anything that I'm doing, I'm choosing to do um, for fun or working with friends or something along those lines. And and uh, no you, New York Yankees obligations, no baseball obligations. So it was a long, uh, long uh, 82 game season plus the postseason. A lot of fun, um, a lot of highs, some lows. You know the you know the storylines that go with covering an NBA team for a full season. It was great being able to be on the call for those games and. Looking forward to next season, but in the meantime, getting some much needed on our Cavs. You know, when you look at obviously the, the NBA Finals and, and what Miami in this market, we've seen a lot of them over the past you know decade or so. Certainly, it's a different looking Miami team this time around than what the Pacers were used to. You know, back in 2012, 2013, it, what can NBA teams and particularly Indiana, what can they learn from watching how Miami has built this thing? I, it's it's a it's a phrase that annoys a lot of people, but there's a lot of truth to it, and it's going to make folks cringe. But it is heat culture. It is a thing. It's not something that's fabricated. It was it was somewhat of a joke when they had LeBron, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh. Oh yeah, heat culture. You have a, you know you have three superstars. Um, but I think time has shown that it is a legitimate, real. Thing. And in talking to Eric Spolstra um, during the season, it's it's it starts from the top, you know, Pat Riley and, and works its way down to assistant coaches that they have who have come up through the program, who understand what the franchise is all about and what it means to be a Miami Heat player. And a lot and some of the guys that are on that staff were undrafted free agents who had to really fight, claw, prove their worth um, with the Miami Heat. And so if you're an undrafted free agent that gets brought in, like the guys who have been contributing on this roster, um, from Gabe to Caleb to Max and Duncan, um, you are getting instructions firsthand from someone who has been in your shoes and has been successful with that program. And so that makes a difference. And so, um, and then you bring in Jimmy and, and the line that I can't get out of my head for any team that's trying to build culture and things like that. Eric Spolster after game seven was asked about Jimmy Butler. And we know, you know, Jimmy is worn out as welcome in different places. You know, Philadelphia didn't work out. They decided to invest in Tobias Harris. Chicago, of course, early in his career with Minnesota, there was that famous practice where he's kind of going to call Anthony Towns and that didn't work out. And in Miami, they allowed Jimmy to be Jimmy. And Eric Spolster after game seven said, Jimmy's not for everybody, and we're not for everybody. Um, for those who remember Pat Riley's teams, they were always hard-nosed, tough, especially once he left L.A. in the showtime to go to New York and the Knicks. Hard-working teams. He busted them in practice. And that continued on when Eric Spolster took over hard practices, tough time out there, the way that he challenges his guys, 
And it's just a perfect marriage with Jimmy Butler. So you put those things together, the hardworking guys, guys who believe in themselves and have people around them that believe in him and them in terms of the undrafted free agents with the leader like Jimmy Butler. Um, even with all that said, there's no way in my mind I thought they would have reached the NBA Finals. Absolutely not, especially after losing to Atlanta in the play-in. Um, uh, but that said, it's, it's, it's a remarkable story, and, and he culture is real. Michael, to me, when I look at this matchup, and you have seen Denver more than I for the obvious reasons, right? I've watched some of, I've watched a fair amount of Miami, but I, I think Denver probably, in terms of individual talent, maybe the more talented roster. But what Miami does that I think is really fascinating, and I think Spolster does a great job with it, is Miami is able to. Butler's clearly their bulldog, but Miami's able to win or play in a couple of different styles. They can use their auxiliary pieces for a game. They can go through Bam out of Bayou for a game. They can ride Jimmy Butler for a game. I think they offer more ways to play. Does Denver have the versatility of look that Miami has? They have, They do have versatility, but in different ways. What, what you were describing is – guys that they can lean on um, as far as Miami to get the job done. Jimmy could have a night. Bam could have a night. I'm not so sure that Bam is having as many nights these days as what he it was what he would during the regular season, um, but he's certainly capable of it. Um, and then the undrafted guys, it's, it's still a question are, is, are we at the point now where what we're seeing from Caleb Martin can be expected once again in this next round? especially with a different uh, set of defenders that will be challenging him uh, in, in this series, in the altitude, et cetera, et cetera, over the course of this uh, seven-game series. With Miami, they don't have the scoring punches they would have had if they had Tyler Hero out there, who may make an appearance in Game 3. Victor Oladipo, who was playing somewhat decent basketball before his his injury. They just They just don't have the offensive firepower to go off. They have to play chess out there on the court and get timely, good-looking buckets and suppose a great coach to set them up. So they have to play with one tempo to a certain degree unless they're forcing turnovers and getting out and running. Denver can play a slow-down chess match. They can play extremely fast. And even if and, – and, yeah, they have a two-man offensive juggernaut in terms of Jamal Murray and, and Nikola Jokic – while Murray can have an off night with his scoring because of the type of tough shots he takes, it's very rare for Jokic to have, a, have an off night. And so how does Miami go about defending Jokic? Can Bam get the job done? Can Bam stay out of foul trouble? If Bam gets in foul trouble, who's going to be that guy? Is it going to be Cody Zeller that's going to step up and try to slow down Jokic? Uh, he's just proven himself unstoppable a two-time MVP could have been a three-time MVP for sure he has this sight set on NBA finals MVP it's not just that he can score on his own but it's that he does a tremendous job of setting up his teammates for easy looks given the attention that he's given by the by the defense and so Aaron Gordon is going to have the Jimmy Butler assignment that's going to be tough Um, my guy Bruce Brown who I was with in um, Brooklyn does a tremendous job of providing energy um, off the bench they're just really focused, and the thing that's impressed me most um, as I wrap on Denver, uh, Jake, is how greedy they are. Um, you know, the Timberwolves had the Nuggets in round one, and the Nuggets won the first two games at home, 
go to Minnesota, crazy crowd. You're thinking, look, this is a Denver team that, that's maybe feeling good about themselves. Timberwolves can get game three. And Denver came in and punched them in the mouth. Uh, you go to the conference finals against the Lakers. They won the first two games. They're heading to L.A. You knew that crowd was going to be bananas. And they punched them in the mouth to take a 3-0 lead, which, again, crushes your soul. Uh, so they're, they're, they're greedy. They're focused. Uh, I'm really curious to see how the series goes. I think all the money is on Denver heading into game one, uh, given the fact that it's at altitude. Miami's coming off a seven-game series. Denver's been having some hard practices um, at home, comfortable with the altitude. Uh, but this is why I don't bet. <laughs> I, certainly, Michael, I, I think – Listen, <laughs> I think people would be fools. And I, I think the world of Denver, and I think Denver's fabulous. But there's just something about the Miami Heat. I'm not saying they're going to win the whole thing, man, but I, but I would – Eric Spolstra and Jimmy Butler, I think it is playing with fire to bet against those guys. I, I'm I'm totally I'm I'm totally with you. Um, I do think that once Denver finds its footing, whether that's at some point in Game One or at some point in Game Two, whatever, whenever it is, once Denver finds its footing, um, then I think it's I, I do I do personally believe it's lights out uh, for Miami. How long will that take? Um, if it takes a while, then Miami has a legitimate shot. It's such an impressive story for for an eight seed, a team that was all that was trailing in the fourth quarter against Chicago in that final playing game to be in this position. But it says something about their determination and grit and why you can't, I know those overused terms, but why you can't count them out um, in this series. Plus it was just a few years ago in the bubble that they were, some of these guys were in the NBA finals. And so I know it was in, you know, the bubble, but it's still at an NBA Finals level. Um, they played in high-stakes games where for this iteration of the Denver Nuggets, this is the furthest uh, that they've gone. So you wonder if there's going to be nerves. Does being in front of the home crowd for these first two games completely take that away? And they continue to ride this wave that they've been on. They've been off for a long time. So I'm, I'm really, I really can't wait to watch game one. Again, the second biggest favorite in the last 16 years for the NBA Finals. The Nuggets coming up on Thursday night. Michael Grady, Warren Central Zone, joins us here on the Payless Slickers Hotline. MG shifting over to the Pacers. I know you saw them, you know, early in the season, and I think Minnesota won both matchups this year over Indiana. Uh, where do you kind of view them from a rebuild standpoint? It seems like the last eighteen months have gone pretty darn well for them in, in that part of it, and now it's like, okay, are you still in that part of it? Do you speed it up a little bit? How should they kind of handle an offseason where they have a ton of draft picks and a ton of cap space? Yeah, I, I think it's I think it's really um, going over everything with a fine tooth comb and, and seeing who's the best fit, what's the best fit for this roster, and really examining everything. And I know they have the pieces and people to go through and do that. Um, uh, I, we've talked about this before, Kevin. The thing that really stood out to me about Indiana this season is. You know, rebuilding is not easy. You know, retooling um, is not easy. It's not fun from a fan base standpoint. Your hard-earned dollar and watching this team that you know is supposed to struggle. Um, but what helps out is, and what helped out this season, even though it was in our playoff year, the fun was back. The entertainment was back. Um, the energy was back. Um, there was so much excitement about um, uh, Benedict Mathurin and what he was doing this season. Of course, Halliburton and um, I, I remember I was 
I was at a Tampa Bay New Orleans game, um, a football game Monday night, and on the ride home, I was glued to the I was glued to my phone watching the Pacers and Golden State and Nimhard going off and giving Steph Curry the business. I mean, it was it was there were so many games that were just a um, a fun watch. And so now, to your point, you're okay. The fun is there. The excitement is there. You hope that you stay healthy. You've got, you've got Miles in there now um, uh, locked in. What are, what are the right pieces? Is it, is it more young players? Is it veterans? Who are the pieces and what are the right pieces to bring in to help take this team to that next step to where we are talking about uh, the postseason? And maybe not even just the play-in, but the postseason at least um, heading into – next season that's going to be really good to see but it was just so fun to like to get back and i was again i was watching chris and, and quinn and watching these broadcasts a lot over the course of the season when i had time um uh not just because of the indiana ties, but because they were they were a league pass must mm-hmm. which is not something we've said in, in in recent years about the pacers no. all right mg last one um i thought of you on saturday i'm driving down to the parade with the family and all of a sudden i tune on tune into our, our, our station and um you, you were doing uh, one of the 500s in 60 and i'm curious now that you're out of the market when, when people <laughs> when people come up to you and you're like oh man you're from indianapolis all right i've never been to the indianapolis 500 tell me about it what's kind of your i guess like elevator pitch uh to people when they ask you about the 500 uh, I, you know, it's, um, I tell them carb day is a must. And then the race itself is like a lot of people who ask me about it, Kevin, are not necessarily, you know, race fans. Sure. And so there's, and so the first thing that comes to mind to me is cause I'm not, I'm not going to be able to sell them on on cars most people know that i'm not you know knee deep in understanding these cars and things like that and racing strategy and all those types of things but what really captured my imagination was um the stories the people who have been going for 40 years 50 years 60 years um the pageantry and to me the build-up leading to the race itself. Um, and to me, you know, car day is a party, so it's easy to, you know, tell people, oh, it's a great time, da, da, da. But then, but then Sunday, um, get there early and really get wrapped up in everything leading up to the start of the race. And when they come around and that race gets started and gets underway, everything up to that moment, uh, it's just, you get chills. And then from there, you're locked in, you're drinking, you're having a good time, and you're watching and seeing who comes out victorious. And congratulations to uh, uh, Joseph Newgarden on getting his first. But to me, it, it you know it, it took some it took some time. But my my last few years covering the 500 for you know for the radio station and for RTV6, um, I just I, I don't know, it just kind of clicked. I really understood it, and I, and I miss it. Um, and um, I hope to get back. I hope to get back, if not next year, very, 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 very soon. But I do miss it. I miss the pageantry. I miss everything, the history involved with it. And so that's what I that's what I tell people on. It's just it's just one of those things that you have to experience, and then once you experience it, you kind of understand it. Better hope your Timberwolves don't go far. <laughs> right? Exactly. You have the Shaq exactly. problem. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, then, you know, it's in my blood. There is something about, you know, um, spring basketball – and everything leading up to the the race that's just it's just kind of ingrained in us. And um, so 
yeah, so no, I miss it. I miss it a great deal, brother. Well, we certainly miss you. Hope you get back here in the offseason. Enjoy the R&R, and uh, appreciate the time, MG. I'll be back there, too. Thanks a lot, brother. See you guys. It's Michael Grady right there on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Yeah, Pacers and Racers, Jake. This time next year? Maybe not this deep into May, but early May, maybe? Late April? That'd be awesome. It was the best. Those days were the best. Outstanding on that end. Stephen Holder also joined us today, so that'll be up on the podcast. Again, the Zach Eady decision due by midnight tonight. We'll recap all of that tomorrow. Everybody have a great Wednesday.